I've got a story. A story about two. Two girls. It's a story. I promise. And welcome to The Rebellion, the show bringing the fight to darkness and encouraging the body. I am your host, Mr. Caleb Bradford, and it is my pleasure as always to be here with you again on this lovely, lovely day. So, sorry about being a day late. It was mine and my wife's uh, 13th wedding anniversary yesterday, so uh, I beg your forgiveness and mercy in uh, understanding the fact that you don't come to your 13th wedding anniversary and tell your wife you're not doing anything. So, that's where I was, and uh, I'm glad to be back. We had a good time. It was a great uh, great day of celebration and relaxation and love and cuddles and all those fuzzy little fun things, but today is about business, and the business at hand, my friends, episode 53, The Standing Prostitute and the Leaning Princess. Today's going to be just uh, slightly different. Today is is more of a story format. One might even call it a parable, but it's a pretty simple and uh, and basic story. And I think that you'll catch on pretty quick to what I'm talking about here. So it goes something like this. There was once two daughters who lived in the grand and wondrous kingdom. It was a kingdom called Gadaden, and they had come from the lowliest of families. But one day, as the king was walking among his people, they found themselves face to face with royalty. See, they had been playing in the mud puddles from last night's rain in the alley behind their parents' shoe repair shop. And what it is started out as a fun game of mud pie making suddenly turned into a game of muddy muddy tag and as they slung mud at one another laughing and running one sister was finally about to catch the other when all of a sudden she tripped and they both rolled out of the alley right into the legs of the king now as the little girls looked up they saw a shiny crown and a very muddy face. They were gripped by fear, and they ran away as fast as their little legs could carry them. Who can get mud on the king's face and live, they thought, for in this kingdom evil was not allowed, and surely getting mud on the king's face would have been evil. Now, if they had stuck around, they would have found out that the king was actually laughing with them. But they had run away so quickly, they would never get the chance to hear his mighty bellow of a laugh. The two little girls ended up trying to return home that night, but found that the king and his men were already there. They were far too scared to enter, and they said, Surely the king will kill our parents for what we've done. Being young and scared, they ran further and further until finally... They reached a distant land, a neighboring city. 
who happily accepted the two little girls, for they hated the kingdom from which they came. As the girls grew up without parents in a strange city, the unfortunate truth of what happens to most little girls without someone to protect them, they were taken advantage of and eventually fell into prostitution to be able to survive in this new and harsh land. The older they got, the fuzzier the facts became, and they grew to hate the king, blaming him for all the pain that they had found in this new land. They began to conspire against the king, helping his enemies by telling them the weaknesses in the walls. For years, they did everything in their power to destroy the king and his kingdom. That was until one day, a man showed up at the brothel and ended up buying both girls not for a night but forever when the two women were brought to the man they thought to themselves wouldn't it be better to die than to be sold off as slaves forever to this man they couldn't even see his face because the cloak that he wore concealed it in darkness and as they approached the gate of the city which had caused them so much pain their fears continued to grow worse and worse where is he taking us they thought why are why are we leaving the city then the two of them decided that they should betray this mysterious man once they were far enough away from the city that they they would figure out a way to escape as the man arose the next morning he noticed that the two women had begun to walk off on their own he shouted for them and they just began to run leaving everything at the camp he chased after them and once he finally ran them down he put his hands on their shoulders to stop them to reveal his plan to them but as soon as he touched them The women both spun around and ran him through with their daggers. The man's head flew back along with the hood that had been concealing his face and immediately they both recognized this man. He was the king's son. As his body crumpled and he fell to the ground, they thought to themselves, my God, what have we done? We are surely dead now. The city won't take us back because they know that even though they hate the king, they would never survive an open battle against him. And there was no way they could continue on back to their home because they had killed the king's son. All hope is lost, their souls dreaded. And just then, the son spoke up over the anguish of his wounds and said, Come, let's go. He struggled to his feet, coughing up blood and grasping his side. He looked at them with a strange, crimson-stained grin and said, It's just a flesh wound. The two girls just kept trying to think of something to say. But what does someone say to the person walking with your dagger still hanging out of them? As they slowly reached 
the camp. One of them got up enough nerve to say, You're the king's son, aren't you? The other sister thought, What a stupid thing to ask. Not because it was obviously the king's son, but because she felt that if she didn't admit that it was the king's son, she would at least be punished less severely. He turned and looked at them both. and simply said, I am. The one sister felt the same fear that had caused her to run far from the king all those years ago. But this time she had nowhere to go. The other sister thought to herself, Good! With a vague answer like I am, I can still claim ignorance. I am what? She thought to herself. As the three of them got further and further from the city, the two girls couldn't help but notice the blood staining the dirt in front of them. Then the one sister spoke up again, saying, Sir, what have you decided to do with us? He responded, I'm taking you to the king. As more and more dread gripped her soul, she blurted out, Please just kill us now. Why make us walk all that way just to go and die? He let out a painful and labored chuckle. <coughs> then said, What a silly thing to do. Why would I spend all that money to buy you only to watch you die? No, you're going to become daughters of the king. The other sister exclaimed, Liar! You will torture us until you find out every evil thing we have done, and then you will give us the most painful death that we deserve. The king's son just looked at the broken woman. With more pain in his eyes than when she ran him through with her dagger that was still lodged in his side, and he said, I assure you, I'm no liar. Don't you know that the king has spies everywhere? Torture isn't necessary, for he already knows your deeds. From the first time you slung mud on him to the schemes you plotted against his kingdom, and finally, stabbing his only son. He knows them all. See, he's been trying to get you to come home ever since you left. All manner of creatures have been sent to fetch you. Some pigeons and hawks came with messages, but you were too young to understand. So he sent servants from the castle, but you ran in fear when they got too close. Even his best knights rode out for you, but were ambushed by the enemy because of the plots you had helped them come up with. Knowing the danger, he sent me in disguise to pay far more than your abusive master wanted to charge because he wanted to ensure that no one could even begin to form a thought about having any claim over you. Both the girls stood there in disbelief, thinking, could all this be true? Seeing the sun growing increasingly weak from his wounds, they decided it was best to remain silent for now. So they made camp and slept for the night. The next morning when they awoke, they found that the sun was hunched over by the fire. Thinking that he was dead, they jumped up and shook him. He groaned in pain. Ugh. Looking up at the faces, 
the two girls. They immediately knew things were bad. His skin was pale, his tongue was swollen from loss of blood and thirst. His wounds had become infected and smelly and black. And he held out a piece of paper. The girls took it, reading it said, These two are daughters of the great king, with full rights and authority of the king's children. Then he took his finger, covered in blood, and signed it. He said to them, Take this letter and my cloak and find the king. I must stay here, for your old master is pursuing us. Look and see. And there on the horizon were a hundred horses barreling towards them. The girls said, Quick, let's run. Maybe we can get away before they can catch us. The king's son looked at them and said, Go. I must stay and fight, or you will be lost. The girls pleaded with him, knowing that if he stayed, he would surely die. Again he said, Go! When you see the castle a long way off, put on my cloak, for the guards will think you are an intruder if you don't, and you will never get close enough to deliver my message before they kill you. So they left with tears in their eyes as they thought about the fate of the king's son. Soon, though, one of the two sisters' sadness once again turned into fear. She told herself, The king knows we stabbed his son. There is no letter that will save us. She went round and round in her head and decided, As kind as the king's son was, Surely the king will not look over my deeds. Even if he had before, that was before I killed his son. Then she said to herself, I know what I will do. I will go back to the city and I will save all the money that I can. And then when I return with a gift so great, he will finally accept me and forgive me. And the sister pleaded with her saying, Remember the cloak? You will never make it to the king without it. The sister said, I can make another cloak. You go if you want but your blood is on your own hands. The one sister said again, shouldn't we trust him? He didn't even treat us badly when we stabbed him. The other sister just shook her head. She just couldn't believe it. And so she turned back and headed to that old whorehouse that she had just been purchased from. The other sister continued alone. When she saw the castle a long way off, she wrapped herself in the sun's cloak. The sun was right. Before that grand kingdom was bigger than an apple on the horizon, she found herself surrounded by the king's knights. She honestly didn't even know where they had come from. And before she could speak a word to find out, she found herself soaring towards the kingdom at an almost unbelievable speed. By the time things slowed down enough for her to recognize, she found herself staring up at that face that she hadn't seen for many years. At first she was caught off guard by how much his son had looked like him. It was almost as if they had been cut from the same cloth. Quickly her shock turned into terror as the king's voice thundered the throne room 
I see my son's cloak, but where is he? The girl fell to pieces and told the king everything just as it had happened. Then she laid there in a puddle of tears and shame. And she began to feel the strangest thing. Two hands grabbed her and picked her up as if she was a child. Through the shimmering light of her tears, she looked up and saw the king's face once more. She said, what are you going to do? He stopped for a moment and let out a sigh and then kept walking. Before panic completely overtook her, because of the king's silence, she found herself being sat on a bed. Again, she said, your majesty, please tell me what you're going to do to me. Again, he only responded with a burdened sigh. (sighs) Growing more and more fearful and frustrated, she began to get a tone in her voice that no one should dare get with a king. She squealed, Just tell me, please! Immediately, the king thundered, It was as if the foundations of the castle itself trembled as he raised his voice. The girl dared not answer now, realizing the error of her ways. Then he thundered again, Before I tell you, The girl grew nauseous with fear. What what price would the king say? Punishment? Torture? Or even death? Then, the king just walked out of the room. Looking for a way out, the girl searched and searched, but there was none. And before she could even move off of the bed, almost immediately the door blew open. Before the girl could even say a word, she felt something hit her face, and then everything went black. First, she noticed it was wet, and she thought, oh my god, it must it must be blood. But then she noticed that she had no pain, and it was cold, and blood is warm. The girl slowly lifted her hand and, and wiped her eyes. Now finally able to see, she looked at her hands and found out that that cool, wet sensation was mud? She looked at the king, puzzled. And then all of a sudden he burst out laughing. He said, I've been waiting 20 years to do that. Slowly a smile started to creep across the girl's face. Then the king rushed across the room and embraced the girl, snatching her up and pulling her to his chest. He explained to her that he had been at her parents' house that night long ago because they had died in a terrible accident earlier that day while the two girls had been hiding. And see, he had become so smitten with them when they ran into his legs and covered him with mud that he had gone there to adopt them. But they just kept running. Everything the son had told them about the king was true. The girl cautiously asked about her sister. What would happen to her, she thought. And the king lovingly replied, no one can outrun the king forever. I have decreed that they are a child, and my son will eventually capture them. The girl was then overwhelmed by sadness once more. I said, but your son, he's... he's... He's what, said the king? Dead, your majesty. And the king, with that same 
little grin that the sun had showed them earlier responded, Number one, if you're a part of this family, you've got to start calling me father. Number two, my son isn't dead. But, but I saw him. He was so hurt. And there were so many enemies approaching him. And then the king cut her off and he said, My dear, you were eyes to seek you. My son arrived shortly after you did. Sure, he came home with a few more stars than he had. But I assure you, he lives. Now guys, I'm sure you've already figured out that the meaning of this modern day parable is the gospel. But just in case there's someone out there who hasn't. This is the gospel. In Romans 5, 6 through 10, it says, For while we were still helpless, at the appointed moment, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. For if, while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? So since we are saved, before we have any merit, we must always keep our faith in him who saved. For if we don't, I'm afraid that we may just find ourselves like the other sister, a prostitute standing on our own, still covered in shame, trying to buy what we cannot purchase. For Galatians chapter 3 says, You foolish Galatians, who has hypnotized you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was vividly portrayed as crucified? I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit you are now going to be made complete by the flesh? Did you suffer so much for nothing? If in fact it was for nothing. So then does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness, then understand that those who have faith are Abraham's sons. Now the scriptures saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and told the good news ahead of time to Abraham, saying that all nations will be blessed through you. Those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. Or we can be like the other sister. And we can lean into the blood of Christ, casting everything that we have into him. And like the other sister, putting on a cloak and finding ourselves adopted into the very real family of God. So guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that this coming week you remember... um, it begins and ends with Jesus. Cast everything you have onto him because he is the only lifeboat. I promise. So that being said, guys, 
Um, as always, questions, comments, concerns, Caleb at the Rebellion Show.com, C A L E B at the Rebellion Show.com. If there's something in particular you would like to hear about or uh, just want to have a chat, you can reach me there. Uh, we're on all the social medias still. And uh, leave us an iTunes review if you want. That being said, as always, you guys keep fighting the good fight. And he will keep leading the rebellion. And in the wicked wise words of Josh, a cigar a day keeps the doctor away. See you next week.